0: The second episode of Ramcast. I am your host, Ryan Mathers. I wanted to start things off by from the bottom of my heart thanking everybody for the response for episode one. It was really, really touching. A lot of people reached out to me, sent personal messages, congratulating me on just getting the thing off the ground, and uh, also came to see me in person it was like, you know, pat in the back, good job, buddy. Didn't know you had it in you. Always thought you were a No, so I'm joking. But it was that kind of thing? And it was uh, it was really fantastic. And I'm one of those people as well that doesn't take compliments very well. I, I I struggle with them. So you know, people say nice things to me, and nothing good comes out of my mouth. It's just like you know, oh potato, and that's it. So thank you everybody. But naturally, there were some uh, criticisms as well. Um, it's only natural. And uh, my favorite one came from one of my good, good, good mates, old mates of mine, the old salty sea dog, my ginger brother from another mother, Captain Stuart Lawson. And his criticism was that I did not use the word penis once in the first episode of my podcast. And Stuart, I am deeply sorry that I did not use the word penis. I apologize and as penance for my crime I will now list as many synonyms for the word penis that I can. We shall begin. Penis, dick, cock, willy, peepee, wee wee, snake, toger, prick, tool, member, winky, one eyed monster, meat and two veg, knob, sausage, trouser snake, End, meat puppet, parsnip, pork sword, and finally. Tallywacker. Steward, I hope that that uh, will do, buddy. I hope that that will do. Now, I would like to introduce a new segment to the show, something uh, that I'll be doing every week, and this is actually something that I do in real life when I'm out at parties or at braais. For our international listeners, uh, a braai is a South African barbecue, Okay. When we put some nice meat on some fire, make it lekker warm. Oh, lekker is uh, Afrikaans word for nice, and um, yeah, that's uh, that's how we party down here in the dirty south of the Africa. But anyway, I digress. Um, so when I'm there at parties, I like to ask people this question because there's so much negativity in the world. Um, from the moment you switch on your TV or when you first look at your phone, something is trying to piss you off. Some news article or a comment or something of that nature. So to combat that, I like to ask people what was their best of the week. And your best of the week can be absolutely anything. It can be the smallest thing. It can be Somebody smiled at you in traffic. Somebody gave you a parking spot, you know. There was a nice um, teller cashier at the, the shops, you know. Anything of that nature. You could have had a good poo in the morning. Who knows? It's just that little ray of sunshine that made your week. And it's good to focus on that type of thing. So, obviously, my best of the week was uh, launching this podcast. I mean, it's been a dream of mine for a very, very long time. Um, it takes a lot of work. Uh, it's quite stressful. I mean, you got to think of something to say with this mic staring at you. And as soon as you hit record, everything that you thought you were going to say goes completely out of your head. So it's a nerve-wracking thing. But I'm so thankful that I got it off the ground. I got it out there in public because of the response and everything that came back. Um, it's It's been very, very special. But also... You know, I can't just go with some sort of cliche thing like that. Another big best of the week for me was the incredible fourth episode of Ahsoka. It's a Star Wars series on Disney+. Plus. And, uh, yeah, it's, I don't want to get into spoilers, but holy shitballs. This, that episode, wow, wow, wee, wow. Oh, man it, it made me a very happy Star Wars nerd and I cannot wait to see episode 5 which should be dropping on the Wednesday that this podcast goes out live so my god I'm looking forward to that oh it's gonna be great but also let me know what your best of the week was come find me come chat to me let me know drop a comment Tell me what your best of the week was. Think about it. Let me know. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to Ramcast, episode two. The show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. I really hope that is not copyrighted. (laughs) Anyway, moving swiftly along. For the second half of the show, we're going to be focusing on another new segment. And this one is something that I'd like to bring up again in future episodes, but on different topics. So, the segment is Top 5. So later on, we can look at top five sci-fi films, top five animated films, top five Brad Pitt films. Who knows? It can be whatever you want it to be. For this week's top five, we're going to keep it very, very, very simple. And we're just going to look at my top five films of all time. My absolute favorite films of all time. My Mount Rushmore of movies. Let's get started. At number five... We have The Motorcycle Diaries, directed by Walter Salles, starring Gal Garcia Benal, Rodrigo de la Sena, and it was released in 2004. The Motorcycle Diaries is the story of Ernesto Guevara, who would later on become known as Ernesto Che Guevara in the Cuban Revolution. But we're not going to focus on the politics of it. We, you know, whatever your feelings are towards the man... We're not going to look into that now. We're going to put that in a nice little basket down here. And we're just going to keep it there. We're going to focus solely on the film. And the film is a road trip movie, coming of age story about these two mates who are young and in search of adventure and excitement. And they decide to set off on this cross-country motorbike journey uh, through South America on this old, leaky Norton motorcycle. And how their perspectives change over the the course of the film. Um, You you start off with Ernesto, you know, writing in his diaries about love and he needs to go see uh, this long-lost girlfriend and bring her a puppy and it's writing her poetry or reciting poetry to her. And how the man changes from that and seeing the poverty and the strife of the people in the rural communities what that does to him and the person that he becomes at the end of the journey it's really a fascinating look at how travel and when you get outside of your own comfort zone or outside of your own creative reality and you actually go out into the world how the world influences you and how it can change you into becoming another person, um, which I found fascinating at the age that I saw it at because um, I saw The Motorcycle Diaries in my first year of film school. And, uh, you know, obviously I was at a liberal arts film school So the idea of Che Guevara the man was very appealing to me and his story and the iconography of his image and just the whole kind of mythos that was built around him, I found very interesting. So that set me off on a whole journey, but that's a different tangent. What the film did for me is it really activated a love of travel And a love of going out and exploring and letting the world influence you. Going out there and just experiencing life, real everyday life, on the ground, you know. Go walk through a new place. Go talk to some people. Discover life. And that's what this film gave me. And that's why it's very important to me. Also, it has one of the most beautiful soundtracks of all time do yourself a favor find on whatever your streaming platform is be it apple or spotify or whatever go find the motorcycle diary soundtrack and listen to it it is incredible you will love it number four on the list we have strange days released in 1995 it's directed by katherine bigelow in her directorial debut and uh, stars Ray Fiennes, Angela Bassett, and Juliette Lewis. Now, Strange Days takes place uh, at the turn of the century, turn of the millennium, 1999, and uh, focuses on uh, a kind of cyberpunky style LA where a device has been invented where you put this thing on your head, it's called a squib, and through that you can experience somebody else's memories that have been recorded with that device. And not only do you see the memory through your own eyes, but you hear it, you feel it, you can feel the person's emotions, you can feel everything. The story is about um, a street hustler called uh, Lenny Nero, played by Ray Fiennes, who sells these squib memories on the black market on the streets of LA. And he comes across a particular clip that if it became public would have incredible consequences um, not only for the city of Los Angeles but for the whole of America. It's the story of how he's kind of broken out of his apathy and his um, obsession with the past of living in the past and how he needs to be brought forward into the present and stop living in memories and start focusing on the now. There's actually a very famous quote from Strange Days that is used in a Fatboy Slim song, and it's a quote from Angela Bassett, where she says, right here, right now. And I'm sure you know that. So, where I encountered Strange Days for the very first time was when I was a kid. I must have been, I don't know, 10-ish years old or something like that. And my uncle used to have these... Movie nights at his house. Get everyone over, have some popcorn, put on a movie. There we go. And I was invited to one of these. And at one of them was a showing of Strange Days. Now, Strange Days is a very rough film, to say the least. There is one scene in particular that is so shocking that it actually almost makes it difficult to rewatch the film. Because of this one scene. So I do put a little bit of a disclaimer. If you are going to watch this movie, there is a particular sequence in this film that is incredibly brutal and incredibly shocking. And yeah, I I warn you about that. But anyway, back to the story. So I'm sitting there watching uh, this film with all these adults. And right at the beginning of Strange Days, there's a sequence where they're experiencing the memory of a lesbian sex scene but in full graphic detail and little ryan was sitting there and this scene starts and the adults were like listen buddy you gotta leave the room go play on the computer in the other room this ain't the movie for you so naturally from that moment little ryan was like I need to watch Strange Days. I need to get my hands on this film. It took a couple of years, and eventually when I was a teenager, I watched Strange Days because I thought it was this naughty, naughty film. And what I found was actually this movie that I loved, that I really, really adored. One of the first things that really attracted me to this film was the use of the camera. Because you've got to remember a lot of the sequences in this film are told from a first-person perspective because you are experiencing somebody's memory. So the camera has to move like it's somebody's eyes. So there's lots of interesting camera techniques that are used and very subtle use of editing so that you don't actually see the cuts in the film because you think it's just a continual stream of consciousness, but it's not. And if you look very carefully at it, you can see where they are. And that, I remember looking at that. And, you know, also, you know, when I was growing my love of cinema and I was thinking of going into film school and everything, I really looked at the camera work in Strange Days and just became really appreciative of it. But honest to God, hand on the Bible, my real reason that Strange Days is my number four film of all time is because of its ending. This film has my favorite ending of all time. It is incredible. I don't want to spoil it for you. I would really like everyone to just experience this thing for the first time without me telling what the sequence is. But it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful moment. And the use of music and just everything. It just strikes such a chord with me. That's why it's my number four of all time. Number three of my favorite films of all time is a beautiful little film called Garden State. Directed by and starring Zach Braff of uh, Scrubs fame and also starring Natalie Portman and Peter Sarsgaard, Garden State is the story of Andrew Lodgeman who is a struggling actor in LA but he's also been heavily medicated since he was a teenager on various mood stabilizing drugs and because of that he's kind of lived this very numb detached existence and then suddenly his mother dies in a freak accident and Andrew has to return home to his hometown and through that reconnects with some old friends and most importantly meets This girl who is an absolute free spirit. She lives life in the moment and she is the absolute opposite of what Andrew is. It's his journey of rediscovering himself and reconnecting with his father and reconnecting with his hometown and most importantly, finding his spirit and his passion again. And it's also essentially a beautiful love story about these two people that meet, and they both damaged people, and how the one rescues the other one. Yeah, beautiful thing. So, Garden State came to me in a very, very, very odd time in my life. It was also during my first year of film school. At that time, I was going through a very difficult phase with regards to my relationship with women. Um and dating and all of that and I was in a really really terrible funk because I just kind of viewed myself as the the sidekick you know I was I was you know the 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 barking seal the clown on the side that you know would do stupid things or whatever but I was never the guy who got the girl I was never the guy that the girls dated or were interested in I was just the the cool friend that you know is nice to talk to and have a laugh with but I'm not going to date him. I'll date his buddy, rather. And that's who I was. So I felt very lonely and very unloved and very unwanted. Was incredibly jaded about the whole thing, to be perfectly honest. One day, I go through to the uh, Cinema Nouveau at v Waterfront because I was trying to be a very snobbish, you know, film student. And I would go to Cinema Nouveau and watch art cinema and what have you. And I go through there and I see this little film called Garden State which I'd read about in the paper, it was, to quote, to quote clerks, it's beautiful, man, and it really touched me, and it gave me hope that, you know, there maybe there is somebody out there for you, maybe you just gotta open your eyes, and just wait, and lightning will strike, and you never know, you know, you can be the oddball, and Somebody will love you. And that's what this film taught me. And it's a beautiful film. It's got an incredible soundtrack. I think almost everybody knows about the Garden State soundtrack. But it's it's really quite something. And it's got its flaws. It's got some incredible continuity errors. But it's really got its heart in the, on its sleeve. And I adore it. So yeah, Garden State at number three. Number two on the list, we have one of the most misunderstood films of all time, and it is Fight Club, released in 1999, directed by David Fincher, based on the book by Chuck Polatniak, starring Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, Helena Bottom Carter. I'm sure most people have seen Fight Club, so they know what it's about, but I'll recap it anyway. Um, It's the story of a nameless narrator, played by Edward Norton, who is a chronic insomniac and he is trying to find a way to cure his insomnia. He stumbles upon the cure in therapy groups. And also I should mention that these groups are for chronic illnesses and obviously he doesn't have these illnesses. So then he encounters this other woman named Marla who he also recognizes does not have these illnesses, but is going to these groups and it fucks up his world and he can't sleep. He then encounters a man named Tyler Durden on a plane. From there, well, you gotta watch the film. Fight Club. Goodness gracious me. Where do we start? I first saw Fight Club when I was in high school and I completely misinterpreted it. Fight Club, if you really look at it, is a film about masculinity and about how men view themselves. It actually has a lot of ties to the new Barbie movie that just came out, which everyone thinks is man-hating, but it's actually not. It's men-affirming. I'll put that out there. But Fight Club is its taking a lens to masculinity, and particularly the character of Tyler Durden. He's basically a walking male id, and how that's kind of the male fantasy of how every male wants to be. Now, the problem is, it's the film is supposed to be a critique of that. But little teenage Ryan didn't realize that it was a critique of it. He saw Tyler and he was like, I want to be that fucking guy. Because he's cool, and he's got a nice leather jacket, and cool, cool hair, and he looks like Brad Pitt, and he's awesome. Funny enough, if you actually look at the logo for this podcast that red leather jacket is based on a red leather jacket that I bought in Amsterdam because of the jacket that Tyler Durden wears in that film so yeah so at the time I completely misunderstood Fight Club it took a good couple of years of me really analyzing the film and really looking at it and seeing what that film was really about and also you know getting hold of the book and analyzing the book and seeing what it had to say. And it was once you get past the I want to be the cool guy and you start seeing what it's really about, because you can, it's easy to misinterpret Fight Club as mainly an attack on consumerism because of the rhetoric that Tyler Durden says. But dig a little deeper and... Yeah, you'll be interested what you find in this film. So that's why, I mean, why is it number two? It's an incredibly intelligent film that is directed to within an inch of its life by David Fincher. It's batshit crazy. It's very funny. I mean, spoilers if when a film ends with a split second flash of a cock on screen, you know that, you know, it's something special. And the character of Tyler Durden was something special for me. And that's why it's number two. And finally, we've made it to the top of the mountain. The granddaddy. The number one of all time. I'm sure a lot of people know what this is. Train Spotting, Directed by Danny Boyle. Based on the book by Irvin Welsh. And starring Ewan McGregor, Johnny Lee Miller, Robert Carlyle, Ewan Bremner, and Kelly MacDonald. Spotting is the story of Mark Renton, who is a drug addict in Edinburgh, Scotland. He's a heroin addict. And he has basically given up on life. There's an incredibly famous monologue from this uh, film, right at the beginning, where Renton describes why he takes heroin. And it's because of his disdain for society and what is considered modern, normal life. He is a complete alien to that. He doesn't understand it. He wants to escape from it, frankly. He doesn't want to be a part of it. And that's what the film is about. It's about this character's journey from this society-hating drug addict to somebody who wants to be a part of society, who doesn't want to be in the gutter anymore and wants to live a normal life because he's actually sick of that other life. I first saw Trainspotting when I was a teenager. It was one of those movies that I knew was incredibly gritty, very real, and dangerous to watch. It's one of those films that you know as a kid that you're not supposed to watch that because that thing is raw and it's going to put some hairs on your chest. So I'd stayed up late and watched Train Spotting one night and... I remember at the time, it didn't completely blow my hair back, but there was something about it that really triggered something in me, and I kept going back to it, and kept going back to it. And eventually, later on, when I was a little bit older, when I was closer to 18, I re-watched it, and there's a scene between Diane, played by Kelly MacDonald, and Renton, played by Ewan McGregor, where Renton sees her at a club, and then... She walks outside and he comes following her and essentially tries to pick her up. He's useless with women, so he's doing this very bullshitty kind of pickup line and whatever and, you know, I can maybe go home with you if you want and that type of thing. And she completely puts him in his place, but the quote or the line of dialogue that she says to him struck me like something out of nowhere and because what she says to him was exactly how I thought about myself how I thought about myself internally the person who I was and here is this film released in 96 you know made overseas and this character is talking about my inner thoughts and I've never told anyone that and that's when I had an incredible personal connection with this film and especially with the character of Renton. I mean, going forward, started shaving my head, wearing skinny jeans because of the character Renton, but most important about the character is I loved the intelligence of the character. Renton for me was a kind of a benchmark of intelligence that I wanted to get to and this was more because of the book when I went and read the book, cuz in the book there's a wonderful segment of where Renton gets sent to a psychologist and during the session he actually psychoanalyzes himself for the psychologist so that the psychologist doesn't have to do anything and starts throwing out you know like Freudian psychoanalysis and Jungian psychology and all these other bits and bobs and completely blows this psychologist away because of his intelligence. But meanwhile, he's this, you know, from the gutter, heroin addict. I remember reading that and thinking, I have no idea what this man is talking about on these pages. But I want to understand this one day. And I want to be able to do this kind of thing and think this kind of way. Be so book smart that I can match this. And that was my uh, my history with train spotting and it's only my love of that film has only grown especially because train spotting was very much part of that zeitgeist of mid 90s Britpop oasis was taking over the world everybody was kind of done with grunge and just wanted to go out and and just wanted to go out and party at raves and pop some ease and just go crazy and enjoy life train spotting the film has this kind of youthful energy running underneath it this 90s Brit pop zeitgeisty thing, and that energy I got really attracted to. And it's also, I mean, one of the most quotable films of all time. You know, I haven't felt that good since Archie Gamal scored against Holland in 1978. It has got to be one of my all time top favorites. So, yeah, there we go. Train spotting number one. My favorite of all time. If you haven't seen it, it's a little bit of a rough watch. It's actually quite a rough watch. Um, There's some sequences in it that, yeah, I wouldn't watch that at Sunday morning church. But uh, yeah, go check it out. I highly, highly recommend it. And that is it for the top five films of all time and for Ramcast episode two. I Thank you all for joining me. Come find me on the socials on Instagram. It's the best place in town. You can find me at Uncle Ram Z-A-U-N-C-L-E-R-A-M-Z-A. Also, dudes, please note that this podcast is available on all major streaming platforms. So wherever you normally listen to your podcast, be it Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, you can find Ramcast there. So you don't have to go through the ACAST player every single time. Go find me on your normal podcast player. Give me a follow. Give me a rating. Give me a like, whatever the hell it is. Give me a comment, if you will. Every bit of engagement helps with the algorithm, pushes me further up. I get more listenership. You help me. I help you. You know how it goes. Before I completely bounce out of here, though, I would like to leave you with this. On the set of The Crow, Brandon Lee did an interview. During filming and this interview was used uh, for kind of behind-the-scenes footage and what-have-you but right at the end of the interview Brandon Lee dropped this little quote and if you know what happened on the set of that film you'll know why this is so poignant and the quote goes as follows because we do not know when we are going to die we get to think of life as an inexhaustible well and yet everything happens only a certain number of times And a very small number, really. How many times will you remember a certain afternoon of your childhood? An afternoon that is so deeply a part of your being that you cannot perceive of your life without it. Perhaps four or five times more? Perhaps not even that. How many times will you watch the full moon rise? Perhaps 20, and yet it all seems limitless. Wanna hear you go